Welcome to CEO on the Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm Gail Lance, and I'm here to help you think differently, solve big problems, and inspire change. It's tough to do on your own and even with a team, but it is possible. So let's get started. Just a fair warning today, if you happen to be driving or walking or running or on the treadmill, wherever you are listening to this podcast, of course, I never know where you are. I think you might want to take some notes. So if you're in a, in a place where you can't take notes, that's fine. Go ahead and listen to the concepts. You might want to re-listen to this though, to take a few notes because we're covering what I think is a really interesting and important topic called intercultural creativity. And I have an expert, Janine Letford, with me from Los Angeles, California, who is the founder and chief creative officer of Cafe Intercreative Strategies. And that's an organization that trains C-suite executives and employees to create sustainable organizational equity and inclusion strategies. And it really helps them unleash their innovative thinking. She's literally sharing gems today, seven gems, which represents a framework that she's created that helps corporations in their diversity and inclusion development. It also helps them develop their critical cognitive tools for creative thinking. So the implications for this kind of work are really extraordinary, and I encourage you to to check out her work, but I'm really thrilled that she's able to share a little bit about how she's working with organizations and some things for you to consider if you're thinking about how to drive innovation and creativity in your organization, or even if you're not, you really should be. Creativity is ranked as one of the most important skills for not just senior executives, but for people in the workplace to develop. And I know if you've listened to other episodes, I always say I'm talking about the most important skills, but I really am. Some of the topics are related, like the episode that I did recently called the leadership skill that you need most right now. And I was talking about imagination. That's one you might want to check out just in case you missed it, because it sort of relates to the content that we're covering today. Anyway, enjoy my conversation with Janine Letford. Janine, welcome to CEO on the Go podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, well, you've got a topic we have not really covered before, at least not in any depth, and I think it deserves a lot of attention. So we'll be talking about intercultural creativity and where innovation meets inclusion. And so I know you're the expert on that. And I thought, you know, just to start with, it would be helpful to to talk about what is the business case for this now? Creativity, a lot of people hear the word creativity and they think, oh, we're out with paintbrushes and magic markers and that's not really for me. And where does that fit in leadership? There is so much there to unpack. First of all, part of my work is to say that creativity isn't only artistry. So I have to really dispel that myth. And we're going forward with a new definition that creative thinking is the process of problem finding and problem solving with relevance, value, and novelty. People who can really produce new ideas and bring value and value creation to their organizations and to their lives. So while I separate creativity and creative thinking from artistry, I'm also a huge arts advocate because your best creative minds in science and engineering and business and entrepreneurship, a lot of them have an arts background because the arts 
really fine tune those skills needed for creative thinking in other areas. So I definitely am making sure we have the right definition with that. Yes, perfect. So where do you start with leaders that you're working with to help introduce them to these concepts and more importantly, how, you know, how to develop them? Well, first of all, the stats are clear. The World Economic Forum listed creative thinking as a number one skill needed in the workforce. And this is now before the pandemic hit. So now that the pandemic hit, you know, it even shot up to, you know, it was number 10, 10 years ago. Now it's number one and it's like number zero now, you know, like top, top skill. Yeah. And I'd seen that too for some executive surveys, top leaders. It's not just for the workforce, but very senior level executives. Yes. And that's why really defining the word creativity and creative thinking is so key because people are are still confused. So really your ability to harness the cognitive skills of creative thinking, which is your imaginative ability, your ability to use your imagination, your ability to make unobvious associations, your ability to reframe um, situations and, and questioning, curiosity. You know, there's all these cognitive skills that people don't understand that are part of the foundational structure of creative thinking that they can basically work out. And so, you know, the business impact 35% of businesses experience financial returns that are increased because of diversity. And so now my work looks at the diversity aspect connected to the creative thinking aspect. What does that look like? Yes, that's great. So do you want to talk some about the specific gems that you have or diamonds? I'm not sure how to refer to them exactly. Sure. So my company is Cafe Strategies and our logo is the diamond because metaphorical thinking is a creative ability that we do train on. So our diamond, our our diamond, and you'll you'll be getting a diamond in the mail. So we, we love the diamond, but for the intercultural creativity, we have the seven gems of intercultural creativity. And what my work really looks at is the fact that creative thinking is so important in our workforce, especially when we really know what it is and that it's a skill it can be developed. But creative thinking can't thrive if people are in a culture that isn't inclusive. You know, there's an issues with belonging. There's You may have diversity, but they don't really have the, the tools to collaborate well and to create across uh, cultural boundaries or cultural differences. So what we're finding out is these are actually, once again, like creativity, these are tools called intercultural competence that people can develop and work on that will increase their ability to be creative individually and be creative within their teams. Yes. Could you give a specific example of maybe a group that you've worked with or a few people where you've kind of brought them through this process and what came out the other side as a result of applying some of these ideas? Sure. Well, let me first go over the the seven gems so you get kind of an idea of of the framework. And so we all heard of design thinking. And with my background in psychology, we go into the belief systems and the innate skills that you already had when you got to this earth. A lot of infants and babies already exhibit these skills, but they've been kind of taken out of us either through systems and things along those lines. So what my work does is we just get those skills back. And so the first one is the creative growth mindset. This is based off of the work of Carol Dweck. And people aren't even aware that they can enhance or improve their creative thinking. So just making sure that those belief systems are the right ones to really support the creative growth mindset and the intercultural growth mindset as well, that they can work on the skills to connect better with other people with different lived backgrounds and experiences. Yes. I'm curious, before you move on to the second question about the first, do you think that a growth mindset could could be taught? Or is that oh, yes. Oh, well, that's yes. good news. 
that's good news. Yes. So, I mean, to go further into her work, you know, there's the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. And basically that thought is that these are skills which can be developed. So the way that your employees or your team members are interacting with whatever problem or experience that they're interacting with, their mindset going into it really outlays or determines, you know, the result. And so if they're going into this, not thinking that they can do it, then you've just already stopped the process from happening. Yeah. Okay, good. I didn't want to stop you, but I know that there's been some debate about that. So I I am, I am proof that it can be developed (laughs) and it should, should be. And I have the ways to do that. And the second gem is, I, I call it the empathetic way, you know, open mind, open heart. The business world has really started to catch on with the power of empathy and what that means, not just for your connection with the customer, but also within your teams as well. And so to be a good creative thinker and to be a good intercultural competent person, empathy training is a must. That includes self-awareness, other awareness, and cultural awareness, that ability to really tap into those underlying communicative information that's going on. Empathy is key. Mm -hmm. Yes. I have some assessments that can help with that too in the leadership space. So it's really important. Yes. And the third, third one is observation. And I talk about cultural observation and environmental observation. A lot of times we're just not aware of things going on around us. And, you know, the brain kind of does that to stay efficient and, you know, you can't really take in uh, like all of the the data that's going on, but we're missing a lot of things. So I really retrain my clients to learn how to re-see, you know, and also cultural observation. How do you see people on the different levels as opposed to just snapping to judgment? So this is the area that I do a lot, a lot of unconscious bias training. We do a lot of microaggression training. You know, we say things or we assume things that we haven't really observed well. So what does it look to be a good observer with people and around us so we can think of those new ideas to prepare or create those new products and services that our clients may may need. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And I hear more and more um, companies are looking for that kind of resource, by the way on the unconscious <laughs> bias. Yes. So. Yes. Well, we love that. And all of my training has those creative methodologies interwoven within. So you get almost two bangs for it for your own buck. So it's great there. Good. All right. Keep going. The fourth one is cultural curiosity. That's another word. Um, curiosity is another word that's gaining steam within the, the business world. You know, us educators in K-12 know the importance of that, but hopefully the adults will get back to their curious selves when they were three, right? <laughs> And But what does it look like to be curious within the workforce? So we look at environmental curiosity, how to ask questions, how to look at things in, in multiple ways and go beyond that initial, you know, a lot of people stop within the first or second one. So how do you keep going? And cultural curiosity, what does that look like when you're doing it with people? How do you do it respectfully without going into the microaggression territory? And just how do you really connect with the people on your team, on your leadership levels, and just be curious so you can have the best data to make the best decisions? Yeah. And I would also uh, emphasize the importance of being curious about yourself. Becoming more curious instead of judgmental about ourselves is is part of this too. Yes. Yes. And and I do touch upon that in the observation. I call that I see you, I see me. So it's that being observant about yourself. And that's where a lot of the curious questioning come in. So good point. (laughs) And then the fifth gem out of seven is this one's a huge one, a huge one for leaders, especially those in our C-suite. And I have the brain research to back it up. I sat down with Dr. Michael Platt, one of the top neuroscientists in the nation, and it's on my podcast, episode 66. And he said, perspective shifting 
is key for your C-suite and your top leaders because that ability is lowered as we move up higher in ranks. Leaders need to perspective shift, but they don't have to the higher you are. So if you're, other people are taking the perspective of, of them and trying to take the perspective of other people just to survive and just do what they need to do. But perspective shifting is key because you are able to see things from other positions. You're able to be privy to other data that you were missing. I have tons of case studies, people that I've worked with that said once they, you know, implemented some of these key cognitive and situational tactics and they got to the edge of their company, right? They're getting the perspectives of people who they didn't normally interact with. It just opened up a whole, you know, flurry of ideas and services. And so really training your brain to perspective shift on purpose, being intentional about it is a key thing for C-suite. Yeah, I was just going to add to that too, because as a consultant, I'm often put in a role where I'm trying to help the senior executive gain the perspective that they may lack. And I really encourage them to develop that skill that you're talking about so that it becomes more ingrained in them, right? So that it becomes a more natural way for them to operate, to, to, to be able to put themselves in other people's shoes and see through their lens. That's what you're referring to, right? Correct. Correct. So, but I, I go through it a different way. Of course, it, it is an imaginative skill. So there's your creative um, connection, um, but I, I use the arts to do it as well. So if you have a background in the arts, you understand that arts is a lot about perspective shifting, whether it's visual art or musical art or, or what have you. So I kind of lighten up the, the brain and really make the trainings kind of fun because we practice the skill of perspective shifting using some art examples. And then we move it on to people examples. And then we connect it, of course, to the business world. And what does that, that look, look like? But it's a fun training, but it's so key because it'll really, especially now with the pandemic, you have to be able to look at things from multiple perspectives. And this, the sixth one is authentic adaptation. Once again, another key skill for, for C-suite being able to adapt. We have to adapt. It's no longer a choice. So people who are further along in their intercultural development can be self-aware, otherware, and they can see complexities within different cultural groups and adapt their behavior accordingly. And so once again, once you know that this is a skill that you can improve and you can get trained to improve, you're able to do it more effortlessly in different situations. And the last one is what we want all of our people to get to, all of our team members, especially our, our leadership is, I call it being the bridge and creating across cultures. Someone who has who has taken the time to really train them, themselves in intercultural competence and creative thinking, they can really be the bridge to transfer resources between different cultural groups. It can be within their organization, you know, outside their organization, within their personal life people who are able to, to really harness all of these gems. They're, they're observant, they're empathetic, they're curious, they can perspective shift and they can adapt when need be. Those are your top thinkers who are really creating values. And my second ep episode in my podcast, I sat down with Mitch Cohan, the author of The Self-Made Billionaire Effect, How These Producers Create Massive Value. And he sat down with 20 self-made bil billionaires face-to-face he showed me the five traits of these self-made billionaires. And a lot of these five traits are within these gyms, you know, empathetic imagination and being able to perspective shift and knowing when to, to deal with risk and when to move, you know, they're, they're embedded in. So it does work. Good, good. So now I want to get to maybe an example or that you might share that would help people, you know, understand on a more tangible way, 
what might be a problem that people are trying to solve. And they, they work through some of your training or the principles, the gems that you're teaching, and they come out the other side. What, what is, what does that process kind of look like? What's the problem they're solving or issue that, you know, that's making them see the value of what you're bringing and then the result of that? Well, a lot of the clients that I work with just need that almost that push out of a rut, you know, and especially when you're dealing with the platform that we're on now, a lot of people are, are on, on Zoom, you know, there's screen time, there's, there's less face-to-face connection and they just feel kind of stuck and they just need that new way of seeing things. So like I said, a lot of my work is based in the neuroscience. So we look at the different networks of, of the brain. And if you're in focus network, which means you're focused on problem solving and you don't get to an innovative net network and that it, AKA is also known as your daydreaming brain, you know, kind of when you're staring at the window and your just thoughts are just kind of rumbling around. We don't really value that time. And people call it sometimes, you know, um, head down time or head up time. We need more head up time where our head is in the clouds, basically, because that's where the ideas that you've experienced or you've read or you've researched are dancing with one another and start connecting. There's your unobvious connections. And the great inventions, the great services, and the things that we see today are those connections people made a while ago. And so if you're not giving your brain that time to have the innovation network come on, then you're not making those connections. So a lot of the people that bring me in, they just need that restart, that re-jump and the the new way, the fresh way of looking at the problems. Yes. I love that. Similar, similar to the work that I do as well in different ways. So, um, and I would think that a lot of the, the clients that are drawn to your work too, they value innovation already. They know that it's not a nice to do anymore, that it's imperative that they have to think in new ways and, and develop new products or services or ways of operating together. So I, I think that, you know, just for those companies that get that already, this is a great way to help them challenge their thinking and develop their people. And that's what we are doing. And that's what why I, I believe I mentioned before, I do a lot of me- metaphorical work. And that's why my own company has the metaphor of a diamond. And I challenge people to, you know, to identify what is your metaphor, you know, your metaphor. And I sometimes have them choose, you know, the bird or have them do force metaphors of their high school mascot or what have, have you. And the beauty about the metaphor is it really uncovers hidden connections that you've never even thought you could, you know, entertain. And so I believe Aristotle said, you know, that the power of thought is the power of metaphor. And we actually live our lives through metaphor most of the time, but we haven't really used it for business. And I have a good example. I had a client who he did, um, like cash flow monitoring of some sort, something really thick that your average person wouldn't really understand. But he was explaining it to me. And I'm like, it's kind of like you're a plumber, like you're finding the leaks within people's business. And, and so we worked out that metaphor. And so now when he speaks on stage, when he's face to face with clients, if you understand how the brain works, you understand the power of story in which, you know, storytelling has really taken its hold within the past decade within the business world. And so using metaphor to really connect to whichever group you're kind of trying to connect with is key. But I challenge my clients to first do it with themselves. You know, look at your core values. And for me, my bird is the eagle. And I have several reasons why. My object is the diamond. And I have several reasons why. But I can teach a whole course using the diamond as the metaphor that carries my content. And so this is another um, way that senior leaders can really empower and encourage their people on their team. 
Yeah, I love that. In fact, the my current podcast that's playing now is on imagination. And it talks about the importance of metaphors. And it's something too that I think to your point can help executives that oftentimes have difficult messages to communicate or they overcomplicate and they're doing all these PowerPoint slides and lots of text and to challenge them to say, well, what what is that like? You know, and have them find a metaphor. It really is freeing for them and it's it can be so impactful when they're communicating. So I, I like that you're emphasizing that specifically. And once again, it uh, just goes back to the brain. If you understand what's going under the hood, you can really do a better job connecting with your C-suite, connecting with your team members and connecting with your clients at large. Yeah, for sure. Good. Well, in the last couple of minutes, are there any specific tips that you think are, are most important for people to take away? If you know, considering this may be content that people have not been exposed to, you know, you hear a lot about diversity and inclusion and creativity and the importance of that. Some companies are, are struggling, you know, to find good resources and are not necessarily going about it in the the most effective ways. So I was just curious to know what what would be some tips on you know how to do this well or things for companies to consider right now. Well, you have to understand the whole organization and the whole human at the same time. One of my keynote topics is called the diversity diamond and just the uniqueness of of you. And before we just saw our employees just as, okay, here's your job description. Here's the college you went to just very, just check mark. And people are starting to understand the uniqueness of the individual is your superpower. And I'm telling employees, the uniqueness of your experience and all the different facets, right? Of your diamond, of just all of your demographics coming together, your experiences, that's what the organizations need now because your bowl of experiences is unlike any other. So therefore, when you ideate during your sessions, you're bringing a perspective unlike any other. And so that's why inclusion DEI work is so important. And that's why our training combines the two is because people aren't opening their mouths and sharing their experiences if you're in an environment that isn't conducive to it. So creating that culture that empowers people to share their creative ideas, because that's a vulnerable position to be in. You know, I have a whole training on microaggressions, unconscious bias, but also empowering leaders. The leadership position is key because the research is there. Whether you're in the classroom, you know, the teacher creating the culture within the classroom, or if you're in in a in an organization, the mindset of the leader sets the tone for the whole group. And so if you're in an authoritative position um, and people are scared to speak up, that's an issue. So being consultative, supportive, get you to the challenging position because that's where you want to be. You want your people to know that you're there for them and that you're supportive, but you also want them to know that you're going to challenge them to be their best, their creative self. And so now they feel protected in that psychologically safe environment to be their best creative self and give the organization their best creative ideas. Yes. Yes. Creating the environment for them to be able to do this work. Uh, is so critical and and takes some time sometimes for organizations to figure that out. So you've covered so much in just a short time that I think is so valuable, especially if people haven't really had the opportunity to dive into this topic before. I love your approach. I think you're you're creating so much value for people and organizations out there. So what what is the best way for people to find you, Janine? Well, I am uh, at cafestrategies.com. That's with two F, C-A-F-F-E strategies.com. Cafe stands for Creative Advancement for Financial Empowerment. And we have a whole diversity diamond program where we look at your whole diversity strategy. And then there's courses within that that build the creative thinking 
methodology within in that. And then we do have individual courses that deal with unconscious bias, microaggressions, leadership and perspective shifting, and also building the curiosity within your leaders and your team members. So that is there. We're so excited just to be a solution. You know, we want to be a solution during this time because people do have questions. <laughs> yes. People do need solutions. Yes. And starting with your mindset is, is just so critical. What a wonderful way to do that. And I just wanted to spell your name because it's an unusual spelling. And some people who are listening might want to know it's G-E-N-E-I-N. That's how you spell Janine and Letford, L-E-T-F-O-R-D. I'm the only one on LinkedIn with that spelling. So please reach out to me. Okay. Awesome. Well, good. Well, again, thank you so much, Janine, for sharing your gems uh, with me and the listeners. I, I can't wait to get feedback on this and to continue the conversation at some point, because I know we're on the tip of the iceberg here. And as more and more organizations are paying attention to these issues, I think they'll want to, to learn more and more. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure being here. Now go be creative. Yes, be creative. And for everyone else listening, I hope you are creative this week and that you are enjoying doing the work that matters to you. Until next time, take care. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, feel free to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. Be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn or visit workmatters.com. You might also want to check out the Social Movement TV show a bold new docu-series that brings together entrepreneurs from all over the world to solve impossible world problems. I'll be featured in season two, and you can learn more by visiting workmatters.com forward slash social movement. Until next time, keep growing as a leader and doing the work that matters to you.